It's a privilege to be up here. Thanks for the opportunity. As Rod mentioned, it was actually back in August uh, at a worship time at our house on a Friday evening that the Lord placed this on my heart to share. It's not a, a new word. I've shared it before, or it's in some form, and it's not original to me. So, But the Lord began to bring me into a place of understanding this about 20 years ago, um, and it's something that really changed my life. And as, as we were worshiping that night, the Lord really impressed upon my heart the, the need to, to share it. And I really feel that now is the right time. It, it's, it, it so fits in with the theme of living in what Christ has obtained for us that pastor's been talking about. And so I want to share with you guys this morning on the enabling power of grace. We've heard a lot of teachings about grace over the years, um, but I want to talk to you about a different dimension maybe that you haven't heard about this morning. Uh, maybe you have, so maybe it's not new to you, but I trust that there's something in the Word as I deliver this um, that, that the Lord will just impact you in a different way, that you'll see it in a different dimension. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to introduce some concepts in introduction, some things we have, maybe have some, some misunderstandings sometimes, or maybe not even misunderstandings, but maybe sometimes we don't have the full truth of, there's a lot of things of, of spiritual truth, there's a depth to it, there's a dimension to it, that sometimes as you get in, that you, you we, we think we kind of understand, and we get to, oh, well, now I understand faith, and I understand how faith works, and then we get there, and we understand there's another level, there's another dimension. The Lord, we see another facet of who God is, of the dimension of faith, or the dimension of grace we're going to talk about this morning. So I'm just going to introduce some concepts to you initially, and then we'll get into talking about grace, if that's Okay. For those online, I do like to wander a lot, so I kind of walk around. So uh, Adam said he's got that, so I'll try and kind of stay in the window. Um, and I need to set my exercise ring because I always forget to do that when I exercise. <laughs> so we'll do that and, and get some exercise while we're sharing the word this morning. So, so as I said, there's, there's, there's some mindsets, there's some viewpoints, there's some concepts that maybe we have that we see that we get just a partial understanding. We don't have the whole truth on. One of those things that may be the, the, the subject of eternal life. When we think of eternal life, people, we, we talk about eternal life all the time. And eternal life, sometimes we think if we were to define that, we'd probably have some pretty good definitions. People would say, well, it's, it's, it's living forever. You know, we get to live forever with God. And that's, that's true. That's, there's truth to that. It's absolute 100% truth. Eternal life is, is, does relate to time, but that's not a, a complete picture of it. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So there's, there was a now moment that Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking into the future. He was saying, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, and that they may know me. So sometimes it's, it's, we, we kind of hear those things, and we kind of have a concept that we've developed from messages that we've heard, from books that we've read, and it's, not, it's truth, but it's maybe not the full truth. And there's something about eternal life that's, it's, it's, it, there's a stepping into. There's not just a, a, well, I've crossed over and now I'm going to live forever. But there's a place of dwelling. There's a place of existence that Jesus was calling us to in eternal life that wasn't a futuristic concept. It was a for now concept. Amen? Another one of those topics that sometimes we kind of grapple with is the idea of holiness. Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. God said, said that to us, be holy as I am holy. And if we were to define holiness, a lot of us would say, well, holiness is, is it's clean living, it's pure living, it's living a pure life, and that is part of it, but it's not the whole of it. 
The, the Greek word for holiness, it literally means to cut or to separate. Um, but it's not separation for the purpose of segregation. Amen? It's, it's a separation that's not for the purpose of segregation. He's called us to be separate from the world, but he's called us to be in the world. Right? So there's a couple of, couple of slides I'm going to put up in just a minute of, of a picture. So if we were to go car shopping... We need to go car. I need to go car shopping soon if we can. In Jesus' name, um, our cars. Both of our cars have upwards of two hundred fifty thousand miles on them. So, uh, but the grace of God has been there on our cars. Amen. Um, but so if we were to go car shopping, um, and we go, and there's there's some really fantastic cars out there. I really, you know, that new Kia Telluride would be a. I really love the way that thing looks. It's a nice looking SUV. I'd like to, you know, really love to have one of those. So we've got the, the Kia. I, I really, I'm a Honda guy. I've, I've always had Hondas except for one car. We had a Hyundai, which was a good car, but the resale value wasn't great when we needed to sell it. But our Hondas, our Hondas are still worth, I paid the amount that I paid for my Honda Accord about seven years ago. It's still worth that. It's pretty amazing. So we've got Kias, we've got Hondas, but if we were to look at the pictures up here and get into this Mercedes... <laughs> 2023 Mercedes E-Class, it's, it's a cut above. It's a level above. There's another, there's another place. There's a higher place. There's a higher level of quality. So the Lord in holiness is calling us to a higher standard, a higher level of living. And again, with the same concept I was talking about eternal life, it's a place of existence. It's not something that we put on sometimes or something that we do. It's not inactivity. It's not an action that we take to live in purity. That's part of it, but it's a place of existence, a place of dwelling in the Father. Amen? Amen. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, is Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen? Amen. So there's this call to dwell. We have these, these spiritual truths of eternal life, of holiness, of grace, of mercy that we come into, but we, we approach it so much with a Greek mindset. We have this, this, this two different models of thought versus the Hebrew, which they had the benefit of, of understanding at a different level that we don't. We have to study it. We have to delve into it. We have to dig into it because we have been raised in a Greek philosophical society. And so we have a tendency to compartmentalize life. Amen? And so we separate things, and then we, we only try and use these things or draw on these things when we have a time of need. It's not, we're, in, we're not in a place of existence of living in a truth. We just try and draw on the truth when we need it. And, and so, so God's calling us to a place of dwelling in John 14, Barry has been going through the book of John on Wednesday nights. For those of you who've been there, I haven't been able to been there. I've listened to a couple of them on the podcast. Thank you, Barry. In John 14, Jesus is calling, and he says he's trying to get these 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, from one side of the cross to the other. They don't really fully know what's going to happen. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen at this stage. And so he's taking, he says, let not your heart be troubled takes them through this. He was just trying to get these guys calling to a place of existence for where I am that you may be also. Amen? 
Okay, I don't have time to go into all that. I'd love to go to, to dive into that a bit deeper. But there was a place of Jesus calling the 12 and saying, hey, there is a place of existence. There's a place, a realm that I live in that you don't. And I'm calling you there and I'm going to make a way for you to be there. In John 15, he continues on. This whole from John 12 to John 17 is all Jesus on speaking at really at the very end of his ministry and unfolding plainly. He had talked to the disciples the whole time. Hey, I've talked to you in parables, but there's going to come a time where I speak to you plainly. And it's this in John 12 to 17. He's trying to unfold the kingdom of God and bring these men from one side of the cross to the other. And so in John 15, he talks about abiding. He says, abide in me. I'm the vine. My father's the vine dresser. If you abide in me, um, I want you to come dwell with me. That If you abide in me, that your joy will be made full. Um, going back to the beginning of his ministry, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going through this whole, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the righteous, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a place of existence that he was calling to. The word blessed means, is, is in the Greek, is the word makarius. And it means there's, a, there's a, a blessed to be envied. There's a whole description if you look at the Amplified Bible or if you look into the interlinear, there's a whole list of descriptions that can't just be described in one word. And there was a place of existence. Everyone called, the, they called the island of Cyprus Macarius because they believed if you were fortunate enough to live in Cyprus, that you would never need to live outside or go outside of it to, to get anything. And so Jesus was telling the 12 at the very beginning, and by the way, the Sermon of the Mount wasn't for the masses, it was for the 12, because it was for them that asked afterwards. They came to him afterwards and said, hey, we heard you say this, but what did you really mean? They didn't just go away and say, oh, wow, this was a great message. They said, hey, we don't get it. What did you really mean when you said this? But there was a place of existence that Jesus was saying, if you're going to do this kingdom, if you're going to understand the kingdom of heaven, then there's a place I'm calling you to that you're going to have to live from a place of existence, a place of dwelling with me, a place of blessing where you don't have to chase blessing. The blessing will overtake you. There's a place of, of fulfillment. There's a place of, of prosperity. There's a place of wholeness that you're going to have to live from if you're going to do this kingdom thing. Amen? So secondly, so there's a call to dwelling. Then there's a call to transformation. We can't expect to live in the fullness of Christ, what Christ has obtained for us just on the revelation of others. Amen? So we've got sermons. We've got books out the wazoo. There's books and hundreds of books on every topic, every subject. Even we've got this book. And I'm going to tell you, this book, without revelation, is just words on paper. Amen? So he's calling us to a place of, of, of transformation. And I, I want to just put up a little kind of process thing that, 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 that the Lord's taken me through that hopefully will help you. This book has a lot of information. We get information from this book. We get information from sermons. We get information from other books, which is other people's revelation. And so... Information plus study, we take the time to actually study and look into this. It leads to illumination. We get some, some deeper insights about some of these things. And then if we go to take illumination and we add the Holy Spirit, thank you, Val. Val talked about it. If you, if you take illumination and add the Holy Spirit, we get revelation. 
But that's not the end of it. Revelation plus application, it should be, equals transformation. So there's a place where we get the, the, the study, we get the information, we study, we get a little bit of illumination. Then we say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you really mean? Jesus, what were you really saying here? Then we get revelation. And when we get revelation plus grace and application, then we can get to transformation. Amen? There's an application of the revelation. If we just have the revelation and never do anything with it, it doesn't benefit anyone. It's in that place between revelation and application that we find grace, which leads to transformation. And, and in that, there's the renewing of the mind. Ephesians 4 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And a lot of times, that, that most of what happens is we come through the word. We need to get in this book. We need to get in this book. We need to study. We need to dive into it. We need to ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. As pastor says, the zoom, zoom word. We need the, the, the hundredth time that we've read this. You read a verse, you read a verse, you read a verse. You read, I've re- I spent weeks at different times in John chapter 1, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't read it that way before. Because there's something of, of illumination and revelation that the Holy Spirit brings, but we have to bring it to a place of application where it can bring transformation, amen? So we have the Word of God. The Word, Psalm 138, says that he's exhausted his Word above all of his name. Psalm 119 says his Word is settled forever. Psalm, or Matthew 24 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the word being a sword. It's a rock, it's a hammer, it's fire, it's water, it's light, it's seed. We need this for transformation, amen? But there's two things in that that we can nullify the word of God, and it's unbelief. There are places that Jesus went where it says he couldn't do many mighty things because of their unbelief. And the second thing is the traditions of men. Colossians 2 says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. Matthew 15 says, He answered them and said to you, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? And Mark 7, 9 says, And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. So we've got the word that brings about transformation when we get to revelation and application, but there's things that can nullify the, 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 the word of God. Amen. So we're going to get into talking about grace. There have been some, I got to keep an eye on the clock here. I'm doing okay. See, this whole thing, I'm used to preaching for an hour. I haven't had much practice at this 35-minute thing. So you're going to have to pray for me. You guys can start praying in tongues now. Um, so there's been a lot of good, great teachings on grace, fantastic teachings on grace. There's been books written on grace. Raval referenced Joseph Prince talking about grace. There's, there have been some phenomenal teachings about grace, but it's also led to some misunderstandings about grace. Amen? There are some half-truths or under, misunderstandings. And, and if we were to define grace this morning, many of us would say it's the unmerited favor of God. And, and that's the absolute truth. It is his favor for us. Amen? Um, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1. Because there's another dimension of grace that I want us to grab a hold of this morning. Paul says in, in speaking to the church at Corinth, he says, We then, as workers together, say workers together, with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. 
Let me read that again. It's, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What does it mean to receive something in vain? It means not, not receiving it in its full potential. Not, vainness can be ineffectiveness. So we don't receive the grace of God in its effective power. Amen? I've got a video clip here that we're going to play that really demonstrates the grace of God and, and, and the enabling power of grace. Amen? So we're going to watch this video clip. So that, that <laughs> hey man, that, that right there is the grace of God. <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys have seen that one before, eh? So, yeah, we, that, that was from our, our time in Africa, and we had a few good laughs with that one. We saw that one, and I, I looked at it, and I, try, I tried to find a better quality one, but it's from so many years ago that we, I couldn't find it, but you get the point. <laughs> Reenact it, the, the bionic man. Uh, so in, in digging a little bit deeper in grace, so sometimes when we, we talk about grace, we kind of use the word grace and mercy and love sometimes interchangeably, don't we? Yeah, and, and it's probably really not the best way for us to, to understand it. So mercy versus grace, the mercy of God is a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I stand here because of the mercy of God. Amen? Also stand here because of the grace of God, but it's still two different things. Mercy is the not getting what we do deserve. Amen? And then grace is God giving us that which we don't deserve. Okay, so he's gracing us. He's giving us a gift that we don't deserve in our own accord, in our own doing. Amen? But we still had this understanding of sometimes that now that we've come into this covenant of grace, that it's, it's somehow easier for us. And it's somehow, it's somehow it's, it's not, now that we have the Holy Spirit in us, and, and while we have grace and mercy, they didn't have that on the other side of the cross. They had to, to offer sacrifice, and they had to do all these, jump through all these hoops so that they could get atonement for their sin, but we just live under grace. Amen? It's a wrong understanding. But I want to tell you today, the, the word doesn't say anywhere that grace covers anything. It's not a cover for our sin. It's not a cover for our weakness. It's not a cover for our frailty. Amen? Amen. We're covered by the blood. Yes. We're covered by his love. <laughs> Amen? It says that love covers the multitude of sins. We have a breastplate of righteousness which covers, but grace doesn't cover. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says this. It said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to survive. Is that what it says? No, it says, and find grace to help in time of need. Grace is there as an enablement. It's there as the power of God 
to take us in a situation that we find ourselves in, in a circumstance that we find ourselves in, and to lift us out. To his, it, I'm going to jump ahead of myself. Got to stay with my notes. Amen. So going back to this whole idea at the cross, Pastor Rod has talked at different things. There, there are some challenges that the, they, the disciples faced looking the other side of the cross. Even the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they didn't fully know what they were looking for. Even in those last moments in John, where Jesus is unfolding to the disciples, they, they still don't get it. They haven't got, they still think that Jesus was coming to establish a physical kingdom on earth. And then he's talking about dying, talking about going away, and I'll be gone a while, and then I'll be back a while, and I'm going to send you one to help. And they're like, what's going on, Jesus? We thought this was it. And he's like, it was, but you missed. So, so we have the privilege of looking from the other side of the cross, but there were some things at the cross. How many of you know there were some things that were finished at the cross? Amen. The, the veil in the temple was rent in two, and no longer was there just access for one into the presence of God. We, we had that made that available to us. There were some things that were completed. There's also some things that remained unchanged. The moral law, the, the, the Ten Commandments still stand today in a moral standard, a moral conduct, how we conduct ourselves. Our whole legal systems are based on it, even though the world tries to rail against it. And then there were some things that were deepened. Amen? There's some things that, that were transformed as they came through the cross. And we're going to look at that. And we've had this, like I said, we've had this idea that somehow the covenant of grace we've come into is easier. In John chapter 1, verse 17. John's writing, he says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now let's jump ahead. Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus is, is, is speaking and he's teaching. And he says, You have heard that it was said of old. He's referring to the law. You have heard that it was said of those of, to those of old, You shall not murder, or whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So, I ask you, which is harder? The law or grace? Jesus says, you have heard of old, you shall not murder. But he says, even if you get angry with your brother and think of murdering you could be guilty of judgment. So which is harder, the law or grace? Um, how, many, how many of you have seen the, either the musical or one of the movie versions or musical movie versions of, of Les Mis? One of, the, one of the most popular stories of, of all time. Most popular, 40, 40 plus million people have seen the Broadway production of it. Uh, it's an amazing story. And in that story, there's a story of, 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 of mercy and grace. Uh, and when, when Jean Valjean, for those who don't know the story, he, he was imprisoned for stealing as a, as a, in his youth. And he spent 19 years doing hard labor. He gets paroled. But you kind of have a, a little bit of a stigma when you're paroled. Hello? And so he, he gets out, and especially back then, now we have a little bit different system, but there's still... It's still challenging. I've worked with guys who are, who are inmates who have gotten out. 
And it's a challenging, challenging thing for them to try and begin to, to right the ship of their life. And so we find that the, the main character, Jean Valjean, he's been imprisoned, he's paroled, and now he's trying to make his way. He's trying to, kind of going from town to town, trying to find even a place to stay, and no one will. And finally, there's this bishop that says, come on, you can come and stay with me. And so this is the picture from the scene of the movie. And so what happens is that in the night, as he's staying, he reverts to his old ways, and he steals the silver from the bishop. And it's what happens next that changes his life forever. It's an amazing, it's an amazing. So, so he gets caught um, by the, the local police. They catch him. They've got this parolee. He's got silver. So, of course, he's guilty, right? So they bring him to the bishop and say, hey, we, we caught this guy with your silver. And the bishop says, no, you know what? It's his. I gave it to him. And from that moment, Jean Valjean, in the story, makes a decision that his life is going to change forever and that he's going to take that gift and do something with it, make application of it. He's going to take it. He's not going to take the gift that was given in vain. And he's going to actually do something with it and make something of his life. Okay? Amen. It's a great story. So grace really has nothing to do with the forgiveness of our sin and has everything to do with God helping us to overcome our weakness. Amen? It's his power to overcome our weakness. His love, his mercy, his kindness leads to repentance and forgiveness. But the grace of God is the enabling power to do what the truth demands. If we serve a God who is not able to take us from where we are and transform us into his likeness, then we serve a weak God. Just go hang out with Mickey and Minnie. But Isaiah says his arm is not too short to deliver. Amen. He sent the Holy Spirit of grace to empower us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. And I'm throwing a lot of scripture out here. You can take a picture of the slides and go back and study this stuff. By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Amen? So I'm doing good on time here. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul pleaded with the Lord. And we're, a lot of us would be familiar with this passage where Paul is asking, he has this thorn in the flesh, which we don't have any insight or revelation into what it was, what it actually was. And so he says, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord three times. And the Lord's response was this, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I'm made strong. And so it's in the place of discovering what we're not, what we're not able to do, what we're not able to overcome, that the spirit of grace comes on us and takes us through, not just to survive it. Grace is not there for us just to endure. Grace is there for us to overcome. Amen? It's not, a, it's not a, well, I can just get through this. If it's by the grace of God, we're, we're getting through. By the grace of God, you know, we're just going to put our head down. No, God wants to take you to another place. He wants to take you to a place of overcoming. He's called us to a victorious lifestyle. Amen? 
We're not going to go over the mountain. We're not going to go around it. We're going to go through it in Jesus' name. And I feel like the Lord, the Lord wants to call us up this morning. And if I could leave you with one thing to remember from this today, it's this, this statement that grace is not a cover-up. It's the power to go higher up. Amen. Amen. We, talked about, we talked about holiness. The Lord has called us to live in a place of dwelling, to live at a higher standard. And it's not, it's not so that we can look down on the world. It's so that we can bring a demonstration of the awesomeness of God to the world. Amen? So that we can demonstrate to the world when they have no answers that there is answers in the kingdom of God, that the Father has answers, that, that the kings and rulers will come to the brightness of our rising because we have an answer that the world doesn't have to their solutions. Amen? Whether it's education, whether it's finance, the kingdom of God has an answer for all of it. Amen? And so the Lord is calling us up. He's calling us to a higher place. Not, not a cover-up, but he's calling us with the power to go higher up through his grace. Barry talked last April. He shared a word on li a life worth living. And I want to tell you, the world needs you to live the life that he's called you to live. Amen? The world needs what you have to offer. The world needs what God has called you to. Life worth living. We've talked about, pastors talked about living in the fullness of what Christ has obtained for us. We need to live there. We need to be in that place of fully understanding, of grasping, and it's progressive. Um, this, this word, I got this word for the first time 20 years ago, and I'm still living in it. And if it happened in August, I tell you what, the, the process that I've been through has been over the last number of months, even since I felt like, oh, I need to, to share this word, has been amazing. The Lord still continued to bring me through even in recent weeks. Fred shared a few, few months ago on from the impossible to possible to extraordinary. The Lord is calling us as a people, as his people, to do extraordinary things in this time. Amen? And we are going to need to rely on the grace of God, the enabling power of God, when we can't, that he can. Amen? He's able. And, and that referring back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul was saying, he says, We then as workers together with him also plead to you not to receive the grace of God. That, that worker, working together word in the Greek is the word synergio. And it means that God wants to work with us. He wants to partner with us. It's, it's in that place. And so um, we, we find ourselves that, that in this thing of the, the, the kingdom of God, the Lord wants uh, to partner with us. He, he could choose to override and, and do things, but he has chosen to work in and through us. Amen? Um, so if the guys, Fred, if the, you guys want to come up, uh, and we're going to end with a song, and I'm going to close out with a couple of scriptures um, just on, on grace overcoming, and then we're going to pray. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 says, For by one man's offense... Death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in, the, in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that we're going to survive doesn't say that we're just going to make it through. It says we're going to reign. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1 verse 12 says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, 
but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. And then 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I want to read that again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Amen? So we're, we're without excuse, because he's given us everything that we need. Amen? His grace, when we, when we sing, his grace is enough. It's more than enough. For whatever we find ourselves in. So I want to pray this morning. If you this morning find yourself here and you haven't met the person of grace this morning, I want to invite you. We can talk about all these truths. We can talk about the revelation that we get. And at the end of the day, if we've never met the person of grace or the person of truth, then none of it matters. So I want to invite you, if you're, if you're here and you've never allowed Jesus to come into your life and be Lord, then I want to invite you to that this morning. So we're going to, if you're just sitting there, uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We usually pray together as a church, and we're going to pray. And if you just bow in your hearts and just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made in laying down your life that I could have life. And I make you Lord today. I believe that you are the Christ. Believe that you're the Son of God and that you have the power to save me. I make you Lord of my life today in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, just encourage you to get with Pastor, one of the, the elders team that's here, and just let them know that you've made that commitment. Amen. It's an exciting day. If it's amen. For the rest of us, the Lord's gonna He wants to call us deeper. He wants to call us higher. He wants to enable you by His grace. Things that you've wrestled with, struggled with, maybe your whole life. He wants to lift you out. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to enable you. He wants to grace you with his enabling power to be able to rise above, to be able to overcome. Amen? And so if you find yourself in that place this morning and you want to just pray a prayer of agreement, I want to ask you to stand. to us. Father, I thank you that even in my own life over the recent weeks that you have continued to take me to a deeper place. And I pray right now for those standing, for those who aren't standing, that 
Father, we all need your grace to go to the next level. Father, there's never, we've never reached the end. We need to experience more of you. We need your enabling power of grace to live the life that you've called us to. And so I pray this morning that your power, your enabling power of grace would be on us, Father, that there would be a fresh anointing, a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit that would, the Holy Spirit of grace to enable and empower us to live the life that you've called us to, Father, because the world deserves it. The world deserves to see that you are a good, good Father, that you're a faithful God, that you're a loving God, that you're a God of healing, that you're a God of restoration. So we agree this morning for the enabling power of your grace to take us where we couldn't on our own. In Jesus' name.